inspiration, enlightenment, and insight on how to get what you want and how to keep it. We could have been anything that we wanted to be. And it's not too late to change it. We'd be delighted to give it some thought. Maybe you'll agree that we really ought to. And now, here are your hosts. Paul Williams and Tracy Jackson. Well, we're back, everybody. We're back. Hi, Tracy Jackson. We're back from where? We're back, where were well, we? We were, you know, we were. Where off. have we been? We've been to New York. We've I been live to, in New York, Paul. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, and we're done. We're we're just lining up the best people to talk to. I can't believe that 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 uh, that we were getting yeses from some wonderful people and some friends, some great friends that have turned up. Plus, people. Yeah, I mean, you brought in Buck Henry. You brought in Martha Stewart. You brought in Mar- Margaret Atwood. I brought in a lot of people, but you know what? You know, uh, you let's know, talk you about know, who I brought in. No, I know, I know. We were talking about you know, but you know, you know what's really interesting about people? I'm not going to use any names or anything, but it's interesting that the more what I've learned in this process of going out to people, sometimes the the biggest the name, the bigger the names, yeah, the easier they are and the more often they say yes and sometimes people whose careers are on the wane they just become much more difficult it's really interesting yeah yeah and I, then you go maybe i get why you're not working as much as you used to work <laughs> oh couple people i didn't wanted to say that and i didn't because i'm a gratitude and trust person but i thought you know you could you know i mean but people are people and they make their own choices but we've gotten a lot of really great people and i love yeah i love doing this i love the intimacy of sitting in these rooms and just chatting with people. Your I, your inner snark just showed a little bit though oh, just now. I'm not. Of course it did because you know my my inner snark swims around in there and and that's okay because it's you know I don't want to totally lose that but, but but it is true. I mean I can't deny that that happened. You know no but the fact is also that that's what our book is about. The book is about dealing about with, my on, inner on, snark. On, well, about dealing with our all of our inner snarks. You know and and my inner drunk and all this stuff on a daily basis. You know or my inner you know. Just my inner gentleman, my inner dad, my inner, you know, to, to get my inner life where it is, is calm and productive and, and loving. You know, every act of kindness is a little bit of love we leave behind, you know. And I think that that's just not, you know, it's, it's, it would be lovely if that was our full-time permanent state. But, you know, for most, for most of us, including you, Tracy Jackson... Sometimes life gets kind of pushes us off center a little bit, and it's nice to have a process to jump back into uh, into that nice sweet place. I'm also really enthusiastic about writing songwriting when it when it comes in a fashion that is that feels so much like just conversation, but is so infused with just pure honesty. I mean, and and I'm talking about from the depth of of, of a soul, talking about recovery, talking about. Uh, Talking about blackout drinking and all, I'm talking about the amazing Linda Perry. I mean, for she's written for Pink, she's written for Christina Aguilera, she's written she's written for everybody. She's she's probably, you know, there are a lot of great women songwriters. There are not a lot of great women songwriter producers. She is 
and remarkable, she performs. remarkable, and performs. Yeah, we saw her at the uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame, and she wowed the room full of full of really you know top liners. She and your neighbor Gaga, uh, neighbor Gaga. created songs, and it was now just you just told the world where I live. Thank you very much. Well, they don't, they don't, everybody knows where Gaga lives and all. I guess, it's but the Gaga. address. If you know, no, I'm not going to give the address. <laughs> but but I, it was interesting because that you know you're sitting in the the the, the, the Songwriter Hall of Fame induction, and it's t- to to watch the audience of all these hardcore professionals you know with you know and there's a cynic or two amongst the crowd just go nuts for for her absolute raw talent and we're really lucky because linda perry is now coming up yeah well we're sitting here already jabbering with with you know every now and then i get to ha- sit down with somebody that just that just blows me away with their talent and and i'm about to introduce you to the woman that wrote i think three of the most impressive songs i've ever heard in my life and that's because i'm an Wait. old guy who's heard a lot of songs but linda perry is is i mean a spectacular writer and producer I mean, some of the people, Christina Aguilera, uh, uh, starting out with Four Non Blondes, uh, uh, Gwen Stefani, uh, Adam Lambert. Uh, I mean, it goes on and on and on. The, the trick, people that you work. Come on. Uh, you know, and. Uh, Hi. Courtney Love. I mean, oh, you, you wrote a song for Courtney Love that, I mean, did, A Letter to God mm. is the most, one of the most stunning pieces of. of literature and and so and, and just authentic center of the chest songwriting I've ever heard. Thank you. You want to know what the other two are? Yeah. What? Okay, first of all, <laughs> I'm 25 years sober. So when I listen to a song like Fill Me Up, mm. that's, a song, that's what I never had, was never courageous enough to say to the person I was living mm. with. Because I was, all that was going on, the blackout drinking and everything, but I couldn't share that with somebody else. Right. I, so I'm busy trying to hide it, mm-hmm. which you can't do anything else. You're trying to hide it. You're trying to live in, in that thing. You know? so, but uh, you know, Tracy met me, incidentally, when I was a hardcore, miserable drunk. We met in Robert Mitchum's bedroom. I've told this story on the air before. <laughs> we met in Robert Mitchum's bedroom in 19... What? Well, I don't know. I don't remember. 80, 80, 80, you were tw- we met? You, we what met am I doing night. here? Where am I? No. Wait, like, You're getting off Linda. I was tweeting. I know. Okay. I was yourself. tweeting about Linda Perry. I know. Uh, I know because she's just so cute over there with all her ink and her hat. And I just wanted to tweet her picture. But go back to her song. Robert what do you Mitchum. want to talk about? Robert no, I want to hear the Roger, Robert Mitchum. We met oh in Robert Mitchum's bedroom. He's such a stud. Were you guys having a three-way? We, we, uh, well, we wish, did not but. have a three-way. <laughs> we did not have a three-way. They were a little high. I never did. See, I don't see. I was. I'm the girl who never did drugs. Mm-hmm. And Paul. And Paul did the drugs work. She's so the one that believes. That's yeah. I'm, I believe Reefer for madness. So I'm the. I'm like the one. I did other shit, but I didn't do drugs. Right. So and I didn't drink. So what? No. What's the other shit you did? Well, I just did guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, that's some, what I used to say. Used some to say, would call love as a drug. I know. I used Huey to say Lewis I'm a slut, but I never did. But I never did drugs. That was always my excuse. <laughs> you should say I'm a slut, but I never swallowed. That's right. yeah. <laughs> and that's why this show is no longer called Gratitude and Trust, ladies yeah, we're and gentlemen. Changing, we're, we're changing the name of the show. Gratitude and Trust is now going to be the Paul Williams and Tracy's Slugfest. Because we just got slut too fest. dirty. It was a <laughs> slut. Gratitude fest. and lust. Gratitude. Oh, I like that, Linda. 
Canada. Slut there you fest. go. A great title for an album. Slutfest. <laughs> Slutfest. My life is How, a slut. So off topic or on topic. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, yeah, so I, I, it was New Year's topic. Day. I had no, we never had a to, topic. I moved up to Montecito. And, uh, and Tracy was born and raised in Montecito. And uh, was her family was friends with, with, with Robert Dor- and Dorothy Robert Mitchum. Dorothy Mitchum. Mm-hmm. And we've told the story too many times. Well, tell them what she was. Well, we had, and we met on Paul. So I was, I was a big Paulie fan as a kid. I was one of those women who just was in love with Paul as a child. And he moved to Santa Barbara, and we were invited over to the Mitchums for New Year's Day, and Paul was going to be there. So I was all worked up about this, and I went running up to him, and I'm sure you have tons of people who come up to you. And I went, oh, Mr. Williams, I'm such a fan of your music. I love you so much. I can't believe I just, you know, total sycophant dribble, blah, 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 blah. And he looked at me and he said, I no, hope it got you laid. I hope it got you laid. <laughs> and he walked away. Uh, and know, I walked away and Neil. I, I walked away Neil Diamond fan. I'm going to get in the car and listen to Barry Manilow now because I don't think he'd say that to anybody. Yeah, yeah, I, not God. that I was easily shocked. What it was just dick. I was so, Wasn't he a dick, Linda? I know. Total, dick. Total little dick. Yeah. He was probably just shy. And he was high. No, no, he was, was high. No, he I was not shy. He was high. It was the most arrogant, like shallow, misogynistic asshole thing I could have said. And it came out of me, and and then we but met. Look at yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, we didn't see each other. It then. Took decades. And, oh, really? In two thousand oh, wow. one, I'm I'm eleven years sober, and she comes to see me at Feinstein's with her husband, and I was a different guy, you know. So mm-hmm. you put the plug in the jug, and you start oh, with your husband. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My second husband. Yeah, yeah. And then what happened? What? Then that nothing. Then we, we just became, became friends. We became I was pals. just newly married and. And want to bring a baby. Book. You have a baby. Yes. You have a new you baby. Have a don't little try baby to jump now. right. Don't try to segue right into to the you. baby. I, well, well, no, but, but I'm more, can I interview you guys? Yeah, no, ahead, well, you know, we, 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 everyone <laughs> yeah, knows about ahead. us. Let her interview this. us. Let her interview us. <laughs> well, no, but I think it, but it is exciting. But you, you do have a new baby, though. I do. I have a great son named Rhodes and R.H., um, like a... Fender Rhodes, of course. Yeah, of course. And, is that or Rhodes Scholar. Or Rhodes Scholar, I was thinking, yeah. I'm the rock and roller, and Sarah is the geek, so, you know, she, you know, graduated from And you Yale. just came from therapy with Sarah, And we said. just came from therapy, I, yeah. You guys, when did you get married? We got married um, March 30th, so it was uh, last, last year sometime. May 28th this yeah. year, my daughter married her partner. Yeah. Yeah, life. And um, then we had our son literally a year later. Wow. He's amazing. Wow. And everything changed in the house? You know, it was changing as soon as, like, we started. We were like, let's have a baby, you know? And then it was like the talk, you know, the talk starts. And then Sarah said, you know, I normally wouldn't want to have another, because she already has two kids from previous relationships. She's like, normally I wouldn't want to have another child, but I feel like I'm supposed to have one for you. You're supposed to have this experience. And I was like... You know, and obviously that just, you know, made me like all in. And um, when I saw that little flicker, it was, I started crying. Like when you see the ultrasound. Oh, the ultrasound. You were stoned for those moments in your past. There's no, there's no, there's no, (laughs) no, no, not that flicker. (laughs) Paulie was stoned during those moments in his life, Linda. But when you see that ultrasound and you see, it's it's a, it's like a little star beaming. It's like a flick. You know, it's just, it flickers in the darkness. Magical. And you're going, what? That's, that's 
it. That's the baby. That's the life. Like from this, like little dust, sparkle, little fairy dust. This. Then you start seeing the heart. You know, after you know, weeks go by, and then you start seeing this body form. And I just knew right then and there, my life was just. I, I was just beginning. All it, just you starting. were all in, all in at that moment. And it's been the most amazing experience. I didn't know I had this much love, and it's just such unconditional. And he just loves me so much, you know, for now? nothing. He's six months, oh my God. and he's amazing. He's such a great character. He will grow up in about fifteen until you you wrecked his life and slam his door, right. and slam himself in his room. Just be prepared. Yeah, and then he'll come out. All right, well, I'm going, prepared. You be prepared. I'm gonna Isn't love that true, Polly? No, no, they no. do at, do that. They at do it. Fifteen, my daughter turned into a zombie. <laughs> My daughter went from daddy, daddy, daddy running to me at 15 to going, oh, you are an embarrassment to everybody I know. I'm, I walk behind you, not next to you. I sleep oh. around the club. It was like that, period. But then she came out of it the other end. Right. Uh, but I you mean, know what? I will say this. I've heard this. When I have two daughters, and one's 24, so we got through the I hate you period, and now mm-hmm. she loves me. And now the little one sort of loves me, but she doesn't. She told me, I am not affectionate. I am not an affectionate person, so please stop being affectionate <laughs> with me. I went, okay, we're not affectionate. Um, she will be. She will be again. But I've heard boys always love their mommies. Yeah. I have heard that boys will always, always love their mommies. So. You know what? I don't know. I don't, like, he is just a, a He's a only little, six months old, right? Human, so he's just a baby. A little else. precious little human being that showed up in my life. Then I feel like he chose me. Like, when Sarah said that, I just felt like he really did choose me. Like, me and him go on these, he loves to be outdoors and walking, and I love to walk. So we just, I put him in our, my little strap, and we just walk and walk. Miles, just walk. He just loves it. Does he fall asleep on your chest? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the great? You know, that's yeah. the. Whenever I get stressed out, which is probably every twenty-seven minutes, but I think <laughs> I feel about, you're stressed right now, and I saw you calm when you start t- rubbing your chest. But yeah. Yeah, when I remember, no, I'm a stressed. Calm, calm down when she talks about her kid. I know I get stressed, but I um, I mean, my kids falling asleep on my chest. Mm. It's just uh, that memory, and you never. There's something about that that oh is just God. extraordinary. Their little heartbeats, just mm-hmm. like you feel it. I'm sure a lot of women said that about you when you passed when out. I on, fall on top of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feeling your little heart. Yeah, you're small hair, enough. I never fall asleep on their chest. <laughs> you are, Paul. You're, you're small enough to fall asleep on someone's that's chest. That's right. You know, and, if I, and if I'd have thought to say that to them, I would have used it. You know? but, uh, right. Never you too know, late. You said something that I love. You said that you feel like you that you, like you were chosen. Mm. And with, with especially with Sarah, and this, this goes back to something I'm really, really proud of. In the 70s, when, when Anita Bryant was doing her whole, you know, anti-gay bashing thing and all, my wife and I, Katie and I, took out a full-page ad of Variety. This is before we had any kids. That said, Mr. and Mrs. Paul Williams, in response to Anita Bryant's crusade, have stopped drinking dot, 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 screwdrivers. Mm. She was the spokesperson for Florida Orange oh, Juice. Right. So it was like, and I don't know, I just, it was, seemed like that a human amazing. rights issue. On, and so I took out a full page ad in Variety and got an amazing amount of, of hate mail mm. and, and from middle America right. and some supportive email. Right. So years awesome. later when my daughter comes out, you know, and, and we're having this first conversation, there's this a click of like, did she pick us out? Did she mm. go? You know what? They're safe. They're safe. These mm. are very. There's. This is an evolved little guy. I want to go with him. You know? <laughs> I mean, of course, I turn it around to where I'm wonderful in my version of the story. But you know, but maybe she thought, oh, okay, I can straighten him out. He'll be drunk till I'm, till I'm six. But I can help. You know. But, but yeah, they, everything changes once the baby comes in the house. Yeah. 
you know. And it's been pretty for good. me, it was a terrifying moment. Katie walked in the house with our, our firstborn, Cole, handed him to me, and she said, I'm exhausted. I'm going to bed. You deal with it. And literally went to bed and passed out. So I'm standing there holding a child. And you didn't a have child. a baby nurse? Uh, I had, no, I had a baby nurse coming the next day. So what I did was I laid Cole on the couch, and I took, and I didn't want to, I was afraid that something would smother him, so I built a little bridge of towels over him. I put towels on his right side, towels on his left side, towels behind him and in front of him, and then put a little blanket over the top and made sure that there was air, plenty of air getting in there, and that's all I knew to do. And, and you th- left and him there until the baby nurse got that's there? How that's how he, that's how he, that's how he, that's how he spent his first, his first night at home. With, you know, it's like, if I had it to do over, I'd put him in a drawer (laughs) there is something i don't know if you felt it i mean women have some instinct but i remember when we brought when i brought taylor home and the baby nurse was coming in about three hours and my ex-husband dropped us off my mother handed me some food and left so i was i'm standing there with my assistant who was a gay male and michael prescott great guy hi michael and we're standing there with this baby Michael and I, Michael I who'd never touched a baby, mm. me who'd never had a baby, and we're just thinking, and I'm looking at the, and you look at this thing and you go, I'm now responsible for a human life. It's a huge thing, right. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it really, I mean, it, you know, all the joking and the thing, but you are responsible for, until you die, you are responsible yeah. for a human life. And as old as they get, it never goes away. You know, it, it, it's an, and it is this feeling of, I think is with unconditional love, and I think that is huge. The other big component is I am responsible for someone else. Yeah. And I think nothing grows you up faster. That's a very bad well, English. Also, it really does. You just like instantly in one way, hopefully go, oh, I really have to be a grown up now. Yeah. And I think too, what's great about the connection that I'm having with this, you know, experience is that it, there's no intention. Like you're not, you don't have to, there's no, like my intention is solely one purpose is to protect this child. Yeah. There's no other motives. There's no other thing. It's just, you know, you know, mother to child, and you know how sometimes we operate a lot on intentions. What's my intentions yeah, exactly. to do this? What's going on? Is it a good intention? Is it a bad intention? Do I want something out of this? What am I going to gain? What am I going to lose? Blah 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 blah. There's we all, you know, you know, when we're dealing with business, I I do it, you know, in in my career, I do it, you know, in personal lives. It's like, what am I getting or losing or blah blah blah, you know. And with the child, there is none. It's just it's just very clear. My intention yeah. here is to protect this child with all my love that's it that's you know that's, that's really a commitment beautiful. a level of commitment i'm you know and this is a, a terrible thing to admit about myself but you know i, I kind of grew into being a dad after i got sober mm. but in 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 when my kids were born i was still drinking and using and i was a mess and all so that's it's like there was sort of coming to terms with is that am i missing that gene am i missing the daddy gene and all i you know it's something that Tracy and I've talked about because Tracy's my best friend and I talked about you know, developing my relationship with my kids in sobriety you're, mm-hmm. you know you're, you're all, you have this this bundle of life in your arms and you are you know, you, and you've evolved past that right. you know, you're, you're living a sober lifestyle yeah. now so he gets all of you yeah you know well my my dad total alcoholic he's passed away now but he used to take we were brought up in san diego and he would literally he had this like little uh sports car and he'd pack us all in there it's like a two-seater you know and we'd all be in there sitting on top mm-hmm. because back there in the 70s no seat belts. who cares yeah. no seat belts smoky yeah. and everything exactly and we go to this place where <laughs> he loved to drink called the barefoot cocktail lounge and for hours he would leave us out on this grass hill with one 
putter and a golf ball <laughs> and we'd be out there for hours putting taking turns five of us you know patting this ball around and then and he's we, in there getting and wasted yeah. you know and we were on welfare and he's spending like our dinner money on strangers and buying them drinks and stuff and so we started getting smart and we're like okay you go in there and go ask him for money he's never gonna know so I would go in there dad can we have some money for lunch and oh and then my brother John would go okay now you go in there and so by the end of it we'd have all this money we'd have, it would be you know have this big spread on the grass hill and but then he would drive us home drunk and then tell me tell us tell your mother we went to see world <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and i'm just like thinking my dad like no clue like when you're drinking and that's your focus yeah there is nothing else you'd see no reality of what's going on like he had no idea our lives were at stake he had no idea that he was missing a connection with us as a father and till the day he died did he you know, get sober during never. his lifetime no but my father was also just a function he was like a frank sinatra kind of drinker like he never got crazy he never got out of hand he would just get emotional yeah, like my dad. My dad too. He got my dad. very emotional, but never did anything crazy. He just didn't make good decisions, yeah. and he didn't connect. Yeah. You know, but you know he could function, but he was just always drunk. You know? And where was your mom in this scenario? She was always fighting with him, and they got divorced when I was ten years old, and I was all about it. Like they were getting these arguments, and I'm like, Mom, he's drunk leave him leave him. i'm 10 years old everybody else him. yeah everybody yeah. else wow. is taking off and not wow. wanting to be part of the fight but i'd always be lurking around the corner watching and i'd be telling my mom leave him leave him and finally at 10 years old she left him and i was all yeah i mean i had my eyes fist pumping out the window you know as we're driving away and it to me was the best decision she ever made but they remained friends the entire relationship but like you stayed my, lived with your mom my, didn't like a mile here. Sometimes yeah. they lived together. They never remarried. Yeah. They were very codependent. My father died when he was 83 years old. Wow. And um, he literally, swear to God, I think he died because he just had no will. He didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. So, um, but. How long ago was that? I think it was 10 years ago. So he saw your success. He saw the. Yes, he saw my success, success. But, you know, he never saw me when I was younger. So I had a, I have a bitter it left a bitter taste for me when my father started noticing me once I got famous. Because my father wanted to be a musician. He was, he was talented, so I heard. He never showed it to us, never shared it with us, but yeah. he talked about it. Like in his days, he met Frank Sinatra, and he, he wanted to be a gangster. He wanted to be a mafia guy. He, he wanted to hang out with the Brat Pack, yeah. you know? And, um, but he me. never. I'm your dad. Yeah, he out, never, you know. but. <laughs> oh my God. Meet your daughter, shared, Did you. you share your talents with your children? My dad never shared his talents with us ever. Yeah, yeah. And so when I became, you know, famous and successful and, you know, oh, you got it from me, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I got, I, all I got from you is to know what not to do. Yeah. You know, that's what I learned from you, dad. And I got very resentful. You know, but I I, I forget. Do you think you were drawn to music because of him, though? Do you think that 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 you know what I'll never see? I I can't say that because I don't I don't live in what ifs. All I know is the reality Bumper is my sticker. father never show shared music, and I just gravitated towards it. And everybody in my family did, 
But my brother John is an incredible musician. Great guitarist, but isn't he? he just never went the full length. I I didn't mind living in the park. I didn't mind not having money. I didn't mind being homeless. My brother John couldn't bear that thought. So he chose security. How long did you struggle? I never struggled, should we say. I never considered that a struggle. To me, it was part of my journey. You know? See, we say no is a gift. We say that when you don't get something you're going after, yeah. you usually get what you need. Yeah. Well, so how long was it hard? Okay, so how long before well, you... What, where, I mean, what to point? me, I struggled my whole life. You know, there was always problems in my life, struggling and fighting and trying to make my, you know, way through it. And But as a musician, literally, I'm not kidding you, I was in San Diego. I You went to San Francisco. I went to San Francisco, but I was playing music in San San Diego but everybody like I joined these bands and they were like no she can't sing or you can't play or too good or too bad or whatever you know and I'm like okay maybe I'm not going to be a musician you know so I moved to San Francisco somebody gives me a guitar and I pick it up and I start playing it and I write this really great song with this really big voice and my voice showed up and then then I was like oh oh yes I want to be a rock star the way I would describe the way you sang is okay. I read your lyrics in there in one font. Okay. When you sing them, you know I'm feeling a little peculiar. Yeah. <laughs> you do feeling here. Right. And you do it like you're like you're sharing a secret with me. A little peculiar. Oh. And it's, so it's like while I'm listening to you sing, I'm going. It's like the font changes. Mm. It's like you know, and and the the authenticity That's and the honesty is just. I mean. I mean, I, I got to go back to, to, to Fill Me Up mm-hmm. because it's the most amazing lyric. Do you know, do you know the lyrics to Fill Me Up? You know, the up? whole album, In Flight, is about me being drunk and coming to terms well, with I, it. Well, I, I mean, if, if, you know, I just said it. There are three songs, Fill Me Up, Life in a Bottle, and Letter to God, mm-hmm. are, I think, three of the most amazing pieces of oh, art I've you. ever heard. And do you know, when, when you look at Wake the, this whole lyric, of, uh, you know, you know did, uh, the, uh, please remember to remind me if I had a good time. Was, <laughs> I, was I friendly or was I bragging? Oh, my God, that's what, it, what you know, to have the courage to ask that to somebody, to even have a sense of that's who you right. might be when you're drunk, you know. Uh, I, I never did that. I could mm-hmm. never turn to, I was living with Melissa when I was just a hardcore cocaine addict and drunk. And my, as I said earlier, my, my whole thing was about hiding it. Was I charming or was I absent? Did I even say goodnight? Fill me up, let's take a ride from your mouth into my mind because I grow weary from this trip I'm on you. And the ride keeps getting longer. And in morning, I'll be hung over with my face into the phone. Please forgive. I mean, it's just, it just kills me. Was I laughing? Was I choking? Did I start to annoy you? Was I sleazy or was I dazzling? <laughs> Give me a fucking break. I'm sorry. Was Thank I sleazy? I mean, it's just... I think he uh, likes you, Linda. God, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got. Really, yeah, it's, it's it's beyond it's beyond mm. brilliant. Thank you. I've never had anybody um, articulate the lyrics back to me or, or just say what you're saying. I've always had people like go, oh, the their experience of the song. You know, you know what that song made me feel. Um, but I've never had this kind of review, yeah. so it's really amazing. Yeah. Thank well, here, you. you know, How long have you been sober? Um, I've never been sober. I just don't drink. Like I, I've never been. Like I've done cocaine, yeah. and then I, I go binge, and then I'd stop. Yeah. I've done heroin. I'll binge, and then I stop. Yeah. I drink. 
I drink and then I stop. I smoke. Like so I'm the kind of person like like I literally one day I've smoked my whole life and and 15 years ago I picked up a cigarette about to smoke it and I was like, eh. and then I put it out and never went back to it. You know, drinking one day after my father passed away, I just had a binge of drinking and then I started having these panic attacks and I started realizing, "Oh, I'm not dealing with something emotionally because I kept having these crazy panic attacks where I'd take myself into the hospital and I would go and then finally I was like, "Oh, it's the drinking. I'm obviously suppressing some emotions right now, so I just stopped drinking." And then the emotions started showing up and the panic attacks went away. Um but I've always been very aware of my system. So well, Life in a bottle where were you in your life when you wrote Life in a Bottle? Well, that that whole journey, like when I was in Four Non Blondes, as beautiful as the experience was and how grateful I am to have had that opportunity because it, it was that band and what's up and yeah. that whole adventure that led me to where I am today. So in no way do I not appreciate or, or am not grateful. But I was very miserable. Yeah, it was not it. who you wanted to do music. It's not with. how are the people I wanted yeah. to do. I didn't in gel well, you know. And there was something deeper in me, and I wanted to like be a little more alternative. I wanted. I didn't want to be so pop. I didn't like all the interviews. Yeah. I didn't like being told what to do, and I didn't like that people thought somebody dressed me. It was just like, no, this is. I really do dress this stupid. No one had to put me in these clothes. I really do look like this, and um. And so I, I got. Very, and I love, I love, I love all my bad company yeah. is the so line that So when I left the band, yeah. um, I was just feeling again, having more emotions. And so I met Bill Betrell and I wanted to write this album that was in me because I told the band, listen, I don't want, I want to do Dark Side of the Moon. I don't want to do this pop stuff. It's not who I am right now. Maybe again, but not today. So Bill Betray left the band and I met up with him. And literally, I sat on the couch. I had my bottle of wine. I had my cigarettes. I had my headphones on. I had my acoustic guitar. And that whole album was pretty much one ad lib. Like I would just start writing the songs right then and there. His team would join in and we would just start playing it and then we would record the song and then most of the songs were all just me you know saying what was on my mind and life in the bottle was one of my favorites because it was so like i loved when that line came in you know life in a bottle i was like oh my god this is going to be brilliant and then the so words just comforting. kept coming you know and um it was really just a great experience writing that album from that perspective of not caring. Well, you know? to the, these years, when I read a line like, meet my friend held tightly in my hand, forgetting what I meant to say. <laughs> okay, meet my friend held tightly in my hand is almost predictable if, you, if you're writing about the bottle. But when you add the next line, which is forgetting what I meant to say, you're showing a part of yourself that other people don't usually yeah. show in songs. Yeah. And that's what gets me. And she calls me Weepy Williams because <laughs> I cry. When I heard, well, the first time I heard you perform, mm. Letter to God, I lost. It. I mean, I just, I cannot make it through your performance of oh, that song sweet. without being just knocked down. Uh, you know, it's, and, and it inspired, the other thing that I, that I wanted to say is that what you do totally inspires, for, for me, you know, as a writer, it's, I'm, I'm looking for something, because I mean, I wrote, I, I sat down, after listening to about three of your songs, what did I write? I wrote something, Sweet Indecision May Be the Right Choice crowd noise and crutches while I'm finding my voice. 
This is what I'm getting mm. from when I'm hearing your mm. lyrics. X-rated excuses, not enough time to think of a sensible answer. Best to keep moving, keep pushing and shoving. Big target, the heart of a dancer. Mm. That's what I got from. That's awesome. You know, it's just it's there's there is a, and again, what's the word I we use the most on the podcast? Begins with an A. Anxiety? Well, no, 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 no. Well, that, That's what? what we're feeling. But the word I use all the time is authenticity. Oh, well, that's what you, you use all the time. You take authenticity. I always use amazing. But, that's yeah. <laughs> but when you're like, well, let's like, you know, on your, you're so poetic in your lyrics. Like, so to me, there's like, like to me, I'll, you know, read a lyric of yours or Bob Dylan's or somebody who's coming from like this more artful, poetic, it's very... Um, visual you know and um, I think I find it extraordinary when people can be so visual and so poetic like me I come from a more vague and it's like so like I kind of just it's spew it out. If you were a you know? painter, you'd be you'd have a palette knife, and it would be dangerous to be in the room with you while you were painting. And how do you feel about the way people are writing their lyrics today? Like, I'm just not judging if today is better than yesterday, but like, where how are you finding that same kind of poetry? You know, and like what you do. Like, there's a just there's just a. Music, a beautiful you know way I'll, of I'll writing. I listen to something and I'll go, well, that's amazing. Listen, that's really wonderful. Oh, I like Bruno Mars. That's interesting. Oh, like, whatever. This is, the, this, your songs knock me out of my chair. How do you think you're, if you were today starting your career, where do you think you would be? Do you, you know what I mean? Like if you, Paul Williams today wrote the same songs that you wrote. Apollos would be hot walking horses probably then. <laughs> but the fact is that, that, you know, here's the other thing that I think about my song. But do you think you would be famous today with your, your music? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird one, right? But here's, you have to here's say what's that, different about my... It's a different time. It, yeah, but here's what's different about the time, too. Is that First of all, I don't think I write hit songs. Mm. I think that people that have big careers have recorded my songs. Mm. I don't think You and Me Against the World is a hit song. But Helen Reddy sang it and people related to it. You know, uh, uh, I think that, that the people that cut my songs, you know, We've Only Just Begun was the number uh, number one record when, when In Agata De Vida was the number mm. one album. So it was so against the grain. But Karen sang it, and people related to it, you know. But I, I think the other thing is is that because of when. So do you, what? So that would be my point. You only just begun sang by say Amy Winehouse. Oh God, wouldn't have low oh, sharing right. Because yeah. the thing about Karen Carpenter, I mean, she's by far my favorite singer of all because of her story and her secret and her depth. I mean, she took songs that were just so oh, like amazing voice. You know, mediocre like, you know, like Burt Backrack, you know, all these songs that was yeah. just like sunshine and birds yeah. and the deep and the darkness in her just turned her it into really... like you know, oh my God! See, you what, know, it was amazing. What I would send Amy Winehouse is, uh, it was never your intention to wind up at the bottom of a broken dream. Mm. You watch that second sunrise. You've forgotten how to sleep. You're haunted by the promises you tried but failed to keep. I would write from a mm-hmm. different place for right. her than who I was then. Mm. By the, then, I had been listening to Sinatra and and you know Cole Porter and all you know kind of the traditional great American songbook. So that had been an influence the way I wrote. Mm. But then I had to go out and, you know, totally screw up my, my mm. own life and, and hide out for 10 years, you know, with a... What do you think was your big screw up? 
Well, I just, I'm an alcoholic. It's mm-hmm. in my DNA. So you she know. turned into interviewing anyway. <laughs> well, I'm curious, like, where, where, where people, like, they find where addicted. they went down. You know, some, some, somebody else, I might go, oh, I never thought you went down. You know, like, yeah. or, you know, people's what, you level know, of success, what they think as is I their started, failure. Or, as soon as I started getting attention. Mm. The way you know, the, the bumper sticker line is, I became better at showing off than showing up. Mm. I went from being so different. I mean, I didn't hit puberty till I was out of high school. They gave me shots when I was like nine years old to make me grow. It had the opposite effect. So it slowed down my body clock and everything. So I, I'm this totally different, weird little guy who, when I'm 27 and begin writing songs, I look still look 12 mm. or 13. So this, I went from being different to special. And different is difficult, but special is addictive. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, the, you know, if you put down a, a camera and a couch, and I've said this before, I would show up. Yeah, but I you did, did a lot of, you went through a period where you did a lot of stuff that had nothing to do with songwriting. Like yeah. you wrote, but you that but was much, but you did you were on every TV show you were on Hollywood Squares. Constantly, I mean, yeah. you you know you did not stay. Yeah, because I love the attention. Room, tapping so into that, the pain. That, that addiction like, to the attention is exactly what happened to me. What did you just say? I said he did. He he went out and he didn't stay in his room tapping into the pain. Right. I mean, I think it's hard. You know, when you when you write, as you know, whatever you write, you're tapping into something. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's not easy. And people always think, oh, I can write that. Right. They don't realize. Whether it's a novel, whether it's a poem, whatever it is, if it's authentic, to use yeah. your favorite word, you're tapping into pain. You know, mm. you are wrestling your demons. And I think you were t- you were numbing your demons and you were going out and getting a lot of positive feedback for things that was not your work. And, and I, I think that became addictive. Mm, and I, that, I, that, you know, and that is an addiction. You know, we talk about different forms yeah. of addiction, along with being addicted to drugs and alcohol. You are were really addicted. And the other response. You still like, you do still love, you love attention. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. Love attention. absolutely. You're we all odd, do, though, I think. But you, you love know? attention and you agoraphobic you are it's a very odd combination you know you like staying in your room yeah. and then going out and getting a lot of tension man cave. and running out of your room I love a man cave yeah I love yeah, a man cave I get that way but the other do you? thing do you, is do you, yeah. do, you, do you like staying in I when I was in San Francisco right before I moved here like after I left the band and then in flight didn't do anything like they the, my label just basically Jimmy Iovine shelved huge. it he wanted he wanted me to call the in flight album Four Non Blondes you know, he didn't want it to go under Linda Perry. So he basically wanted to prove that he was right. And so when the album was done, they shelved it. I was I was devastated, you know. So I became agoraphobic. I couldn't leave my house. Yeah. Like when I'd leave my house, I'd get that total, I'd shake. Everything would get very woozy. Yeah. And so I started staying in the house. And I still, like I love to be out in the world in the daytime and walk. Yeah. But I don't, I can't be in locked spaces, a bunch around a lot of people. I can't go to parties because I start getting weird. It feels uncomfortable. It feels invasive. It just, I don't like it. I light up because I know exactly what you're saying. I know that. It's weird. It just is not a good feeling for me. And if you're an addict, you know, and and I I certainly was. And, and, you know, the part, one of the elements of being an addict is isolation. So that fed into that. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I spent, you know, literally a decade just kind of staying in. I mean, the 80s, I hit out. Mm -hmm. I just hit out and did a, 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 you know, a eight ball of cocaine every day and drank a bottle of vodka and life went by without me. Tracy, what's your um, relationship to um, music? Like my, my relationship to music is strictly someone who listens to it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm a writer, but I'm a, I was a screenwriter for 25 years. Mm-hmm. I've written books. I write. I'm a, I'm a writer, but I'm not, I was an actress before that, but that wasn't 
that wasn't a successful career. I've, I've been successful as a writer. But no, I have no musical ability mm. whatsoever. Um, I'm a great <clears throat> appreciator of music. Blown away by you at the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I, that was just such a performance you gave. Really, oh. really. Oh, it was an just, I mean, you night. brought down oh the house. God. All those oh great, per- all you made, all those famous performances. You just brought down I the house. Gaga twice. brought it down. You and Gaga together, yeah. but you didn't. I am um, literally. I'm not kidding you. They called me on my way to New York and said Tony Bennett. And this is so funny because th- th- you're gonna laugh at this because it totally makes sense when yeah. you saw what happened. He thinks that he's going to make it and be able to sing, but there's no way. Will Linda do one of Lady Gaga's songs? And I, I mean, I know her songs. Yeah. I've heard them, but I don't know her songs. Yeah. And there's so, yeah. there's so much bells and whistles on those songs, right? So they call me up. My manager calls me. He's like, do you think that you can, you know, do Lady Gaga? So I'm like, where? At my asshole? Like, I'm on the plane (laughs) about to leave. I mean, I don't even know one of her songs. I couldn't even begin. So literally, get to New York. I said, well, just have a stage piano. Have, like, some kind of keyboard in my room. So I get to my room. I have to do these interviews. I get in there. I sit down. I'm like, what song? Uh, uh, Bad Romance? Okay, that one's the most one I know. And I'm, like, trying to sing it. Like, oh, yeah. I'm like, no, that's not going to be me. Literally played it once in my room, once at the sound check. And then when I got up on stage and, and played it. And you blew it out and of the I house. was like, really? I'm just going to play it like I'm fucked up. <laughs> I'm going to do a heroin, you know, velvet underground version of this song and just, you know, like do it slow and, you know, but thank you. I... I have no idea how it turned out. But, oh, it was an amazing evening. But she just, was happy about it. She was like, that was amazing. No one would have ever done that, that and way. I, you know, I've never listened to a lot of music. Yeah. I don't, I've don't. i never listened to a lot of music, my whole life and all. I've made music most of my life. But I, if, So every mm-hmm. now and then when I discover something, what's funny is I'll go, my God, I found this band and everything. It's Isn't like somebody from the 80s. Like, that, you too. We're very yeah. similar. Like, I, I rarely listen yeah, to music. I don't listen rarely. I watch the news or golf in my underwear. Yeah. That's, that's the deal. I, like, if I'm in my car, I'll drive, I'm going to drive to San Francisco on Friday and I just I'm gonna leave at five in the morning and I will drive with not one sound on yeah because exactly. you know I, I do that too Linda I love silence in the yeah. car yeah. and it's I the lo- only time I love silence in the car and I think people but I but I discovered you man and mm-hmm. and I just and when I stuck put my toe in I just it just I fell over backwards mm-hmm. I mean I just you. you know and and uh you know, and I do. I, I'm sounding like an absolute. The great thing about what we do is, is you don't have to give up your fan card. Mm. I mean, the most important, the best band I ever heard in my life was a group called called the Original Delaney and Bonnie and mm. Friends. And I don't know if you've oh, ever yeah. heard. You know them? Yeah. Killer band with Leon Russell yeah. and you know Delaney and Bonnie and uh, Carl Radle on bass and Jimmy Keltner on drums. It's some. It basically became the band that was the the Mad Dogs and Englishmen tour with Joe, with Joe Cocker. But it's like so different from what I was doing. Oh, but I loved it, and it's the most excited I've ever been about music. I had that same kind of click when I started listening to your music, mm. and only only uh, only deeper because you 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 write from a place of of. Uh, of, 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 of I, how, what would I call it? I mean, well, what did I say? Chaos and crutches or whatever. There's, <laughs> you know, you dealt with other stuff when you were a little kid, sick and all. And I just, for some reason, I hear stuff I didn't say in your songs. Mm. And that's a real gift. Thank you. Especially at this time of my life. That's a real gift to find that. Mm. And be enthusiastic about somebody else's music. Yeah. You know? 
Isn't that amazing? It's, it is a wonderful thing when you really think about it, when we have this ability to touch people that we don't know, and um, it just comes from just just this pure place you know talk about intention like when i listen to music today i hear everybody's intention i hear exactly what they're trying to do and so it makes it hard for me to pay attention to because i don't believe in the i don't believe in the the message here's a line well that's what i think whenever you know too much about the mechanics of something Mm -hmm. too i think what happens is then you're always looking for i mean i know because like when i watch movies oh that's 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 a that's a direct that's a note from the studio though that's a that was they did you know oh look at that they shot that in california it really isn't or you you can when you know too much about any business you you start to hear all that you know you just you have too much information and i think and i and do you feel that if well your your career is fantastic now, but do you feel that affects careers eventually that it becomes that one starts not thinking about the pure place and the intention and one it starts totally. really thinking about are the producers going to like it? Is it going to get play on a radio? Is this singer going to c- cover it? You know, do you think that that oh, yeah. starts I, affecting the quality? Absolutely, because even if I just take my own experience, like when I um, started, you know, with in the singer songwriter part or the songwriter producer and wrote songs for Pink and Christine and all that and everybody I became the go-to person like everybody was calling Linda Perry like I'm the top five people that you call she's three of the top five people but so it I started like you know you know they come to you and go we're looking for a beautiful we're looking for a get the party started we're looking for a what's up we're looking for you know this or what you're waiting for you know like they're looking for all the songs that you've already written and and you actually put my songs together they don't sound anything like they're very all over the place you know and um, because I'm so open like I I can you know go to Nashville tomorrow write a country song and then go to Atlanta Georgia and write a hip hop song you know like I'm just open because I just love music and I'm open to the experience and but I think that what started happening I started drinking my own poison thinking how awesome I am I am great I can do everything look at me yes I'll give you that song yes I'll give you that song and then the song started being created from a very bad intention I can explain it very simply in a sentence because I did it I see you you have your success writing Mm -hmm. from your heart people tell you how wonderful you are and you go I'm gonna show I'm really gonna show them Mm -hmm. this time and you start writing from your head yeah and that move from your head to your heart is really yeah and you start writing for an audience you start writing for the money yeah and I did it for years it's like when you said when you were young and you were struggling you didn't think it was a struggle because it was just about the music yeah it happens to so many people and so many what I'd like to ask you because I'm Unfortunately, we're, we're, we're zooming a bit out of time today, oh. is all those people out I, there... Paul, you said this was an endless conversation that we could go I know it's for. for this was a 24-hour well, marathon. We, we, I know. Well, you know what, <laughs> the problem was, will we you come back? This, we should, actually, we I would love to do the, this again. Yeah, we, we need I mean, to I come could back. Do, we could do three of these with you yeah, and all. Yeah. We just have someone calling in from Canada. But, I'm so sorry. But, no, no, it's, it's not... All those people sitting out there, because of all the... Of all the different talents people think they have, I think more people think they have a song in them mm. than anything else. Mm-hmm. I think a screenplay comes next, but I think a, don't. Would you guys agree? I yeah, mean, I, I've never thought I had a song in me, but I think most people think they have a song in mm-hmm. them, don't you? Yeah. Everyone. What do you? What's your advice to those people sitting out there? 
Maybe they're not focusing. Maybe they think they're going to be stars. Maybe they don't have it. But whoever they are, what is what is the advice from Linda Perry? Because you've been you've been way down and you've taken yourself way up and you've stayed up and you're 50 and you talk about how you're starting. You know, you feel like you're at the beginning of yeah. a great phase oh God, in your life. And people, a lot of people think rock. You know, when you're a rocker, you're over at 50 mm. or you're a songwriter. What's your advice? Well, for me, I, I do believe everybody has a song. I believe everybody has their own theme song, you know, and um, it's about really, if you really want to find it, the, the place that you need to stay out of is your head. You just need to grab your guitar or piano or your pen. You know, if you, if you can't play music, you can write. And when you write, it's like you just close your eyes and you just write without thinking. Just let it come to you let it come. and just let it flow. Let it flow. Don't edit. Don't try to direct it. Don't try to do anything. Just let it be. Let the pen be the guide to what it wants to say. Just let it free flow. As far as music, I, I tell people this all the time. Just pick up a guitar and just let the chords come. Find that place where it just makes you feel, you know, some harmony. And then just open up your mouth and let the words come. And trust me, the words are going to be stupid at first, but there's going to be some brilliant lines that the best writers in the world can sit at this table and come up with. It's going to be random and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. That is so. That's that's going to be heartfelt. It's going to be heartfelt and real. Advice, and and I'll leave it and to tap this with the very first line on your album, in flight album. In my dreams, everything is worthwhile. I mean, think about that statement right there. In my dreams, everything is worthwhile. In my dreams, in your dreams, there is a non-judgmental person Mm -hmm. who puts value on every thought, every emotion, yours and the world around you. And I think that's remarkable and a huge part of, of who you are and why I really wanted to sp- sit down with you. Well, Linda Perry, we, we want to get you back. Of we want to get you yeah, back in this time. chair. I'm, on coming a, I'm coming back for the marathon. Come back for the marathon <laughs> on a day when LA is yeah, not so exactly. traffic and crowded. Well, this is great. Lin, thank you for your gift. Thank you for your talent. Thank you, thank you for sharing your heart. And By the way, I got my book yesterday oh, and it's yeah. in a book and it I mean in a box it's in my car I haven't even gotten Fantastic. to open it up just let you know but thank you for that well thank you Bless thank you, you for all you give thank you bye guys bye you give a little love and it all comes back to you you know you're gonna be remembered for the things that you say and do you give a You know you're gonna be remembered for the things that you say and do.